Nathan, Nathan, oh, hey, oh Brenton. my gosh. Whoa. Nathan, how are we going to get down to your wedding? I mean, we're in this helicopter so high above the island and we need to get down there somehow. Nathan, what are we going to do? It's crazy. Honestly, Brenton, I think I think we're just going to have to skydive into the wedding. It's the only natural solution. Nathan, you know I've got a terrible fear of heights. I think we should just land the chopper, land the chopper, and it's much safer for everyone involved. Everyone knows the natural way to go into a wedding is just to jump out of the helicopter. So quick, put on this backpack. Maybe it's a parachute. We'll just see what happens. You ready? All right, I'll put on the backpack, Three, but I'm not two, jumping out of this one. helicopter. What are you doing? Oh, Nathan, don't push me. Oh! Ba-da-ba-da. <laughs> Hey guys, oh, welcome, welcome, welcome to Classic Movie Banter. You know that show, Woo! that podcast where I myself, Brenton, otherwise known as uh, Brenton from Classic Movie Banter, discuss with Nathan, mm. as in Nathan from Classic <laughs> Movie Banter, movies that are 20 years yes. or older, and we discuss those films, and we discuss whether those films are still worth watching today, or whether they're worth throwing mm. away and forgetting, like, you know, like your memories <laughs> of, of those, you know... I don't know, like, what memories do you forget, Nathan? Like, I don't remember my first meal, for example. I don't remember my first meal. I don't remember... Um, um, I don't know. Most of the time I'm with you, mate, I try and, like, blur it out. You know, that's what the therapist has been saying. Yeah, no, I know they've been saying that to you, and we've been trying to work our shit out. <laughs> uh, this podcast was actually a coping mechanism to, to try and uh, salvage our relationship. Uh, that's It really was, and look how far it's gotten us, Brenton. Oh, I know, it's great. I mean, like, seriously, like, ourselves, like, you know, we're not in such a good place on a personal level, like, each of us, but hey, no. the show's going well. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. speaking of not going that great, you know what today is, Brenton? Nathan, what is today? Today is a day that we return to the James Bond franchise, our, our, our favourite franchise on the podcast, isn't it? You know, it's days like today that make me ponder whether doing this whole Bond thing was a good idea, you know what I'm saying? Why are we doing this? Like, you can always like, say that for the whole podcast, like just, why are we talking about this? <laughs> but someone's got to do it, Brenton. I mean, someone's got to do it, and we need to protect our mental health, so here we yeah, are. here we are. Uh, We're here to look at old l- movies and to tell you if, if this movie, especially this James Bond movie, Licensed to Kill actually holds up after the long period, you know, if it still stands heads to shoulders alongside the cinema of today, Brenton. So, uh, are you, are you ready, bud? Are you ready to do this fucking movie? Mate, let's just rip the bandaid off and get into it. All right, mate. Can you please pitch me this movie? All right. So, hello, Hollywood producer. My name is, uh, Brenton and I'm here with a new film in the James Bond franchise. Now look. Wow. But Mr. Director, there's already been so many. How would you separate this one from the others? Well, you know what? I think what I want to do is take it back to Ian e. Fleming's novels. Not of course. in terms of like, you know I wanna I wanna really go into this character. <laughs> we go back to a printed medium, we just stop filmmaking altogether. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a book I'm pitching you today. No. Uh we're going to go back to the source material <laughs> and really get into into this character and see, you know, the darkness that resides within this character and try to bring that out in a film that is overall a bit darker in tone to the films and we've had before. And the only actor I think that could really do that for us in terms of uh, Bond would actually be Timothy Dalton. I want to bring him back and I want to give him the chance to do this character the way that he can only do this character. That is that is what of I want course. to do. But not only that, we actually need a semblance of a plot to go along with that. So uh, <laughs> the reason this, this film is going to be called License to Kill is that James Bond goes rogue. He he what? he becomes a rogue agent from MI7, and you know why? Because he's on a revenge mission after something uh, something happens to a personal friend of his that he must seek revenge. 
and uh, by all means necessarily, and that includes abandoning uh, M and MI7 to chase after uh, the Mexican drug cartel, you know? Uh, so you know, there's there's uh there's some sabotage in here. There's going undercover. There's 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 all this stuff, and I think that it could create a Bond film like no other. Oh, mate, that's extraordinary! Wow, look, look, you're really selling this movie to me because you know when I think of James Bond, I naturally think of like a Mexican drug cartel movie, you know, but. But, Brenton, is it going to be just set in Mexico, yeah. or are we going all around the world? Uh, Nathan, I mean, like, with there's exotic locations, like, mm. as we've said. Like, I've got this great idea for an opening scene involving a helicopter and a wedding. Okay. So, you know, uh, like, there's going to be locations for sure. But <laughs> you will whole, see a location this, in this film. Yes, yes, you you will. You'll see many, you'll see many different shots of water. And many different shots of oil tankers of all things. Oh, so wow. you know we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're going everywhere, Nathan. Fantastic. It's gonna be great. Well, the, look, is you know what we've we've made. You've, I've heard shittier pitches. So and they've made money. So you know what? Here's some more money, and let's just see if this movie makes any money. Which plot twist it does? Because every fucking Bond makes money. So yeah. What a what a pitch, Brenton. Well done, well done, mate. You're really selling it to me. Thanks very much. Thanks so very much. So, mate, I'm getting straight into this, and I just want to say straight up yeah. that, you know what? There's some good aspects of this film. There are. But what I really want to say is that, for me, it's not so much about this movie that I want to talk about today. I want to talk about this franchise and how I feel about <laughs> it. Every time we got to go big in- picture before little picture. <laughs> You're, like, changing, like, your PowerPoint slides. You've got some, like, little star transition. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Um, every time I come in to talk about this franchise or a film from this franchise, I'm often greeting, greeted with this sense of just... Uh, like that. <laughs> that sound sums it up. It's that groan of, I, do I really have to do this? And mm. every time, like, there's some films <laughs> that I, I kind gotta. of like. There's some films that I kind of like. There's films that, you know, I, I think are a bit worse or, or whatever. But at the same time, like, I just don't think I get this franchise, to be perfectly honest. And this film kind of cements that feeling. Like, there's parts mm. of this movie I really like. But at the same time, I just don't... I don't know who these movies are for. I know who they were once for. And they're <laughs> part of this generation. But since then, like... I just feel like it's very hard to like go back as having not been a fan of these films previously and to really get into these movies and to love these movies to the extent that, I mean, the generations that they were made for loves them. Um, <sighs> I hear you, dude. Like, like it's because you hear... I remember as a child when you hear about the James Bond films and you're like, our parents talking about them, they're like, wow, they were the sexiest things of their days. They had like the, the coolest action and the cars and all that. And like, man, everyone just wanted to be James Bond or be a spy and that kind of stuff. And you watch it now. And I was honestly thinking, like, if I was Timothy Dalton in this movie, I would hate my life. Like, <laughs> like, like, it's just a miserable affair. The whole lot of it. Like, License to Kill especially. It just... It's just, uh, what 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 do you say about a film like this, Brenton? It's just, it's the classic spy gone rogue tale that you've seen a billion times before these days, and so something like this just feels stale. And like, and there's no, there are good things in this movie. There's some amazing action sequences, and there's some really funny gags. But at the end of the day, it's just a long, dry affair that you can yeah. plot out beat for beat. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Especially this movie here. It feels like a shittier version of The Night Manager. Have you seen that series from... Um, no, I haven't seen uh, The Night Manager. It's no. it's literally the same plot of that. But imagine cramming it down. But also James Bond looks far older than he should. 
and like we're in Mexico instead of like beautiful Europe like they do in that series. There's just so there's just so like I think you really summed it up well there, Nathan. Like and like you said, there are things to like such as I think Timothy D- Dalton is like a great Bond. I really do. I love that he got the chance to do this this take on Bond, mm. and I would have loved to have seen where it was gone with a director or like a story that was maybe better suited to that. Yeah. Um, and to really take that dig dive in, similar to how Casino Royale did it. Like, here's the thing, because like it really is trying to be the serious dark story, but like it's so goofy at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, it just doesn't know what it wants to be because it needs that goofiness, I guess, for the time to maintain that part of the series that everyone, I guess, at the time enjoyed. But it's still trying to do this new thing, which I appreciate. But again, it doesn't really stick the landing in that sense. Mm. And like you said, there's some amazing use of special effects and some amazing uh, choreographed fights mm. um, that are really captured well on film, and some of the the best in the series i'd say but overall like i'm just and like and by no means is this the worst uh, film in the series i've seen but it just it's the film that made me again like the the last bond film we, we reviewed i was still a bit lukewarm i was all right but this one really just cemented that that it's like that's just not enough to get me in anymore i'm afraid and it's and I can spend my time watching other better films that do these things better for i guess a modern audience I 100% agree with you. Like, yeah, modern audiences would make it like, well, that's what they did with like the, you know, with the with the bloody Daniel Craig ones and like I feel like I do in these old ones, the things that I miss from the Daniel Craig one are like the wacky gadgets and like the kind of ludicrous settings for the battles. And I do like that like we have battles in this movie that take place underwater and there's an amazing water sequence battle that I think is genuinely outstanding that you should like YouTube from this movie. But like like all and like there's fun gadgets by outside all that like the plot is just so needlessly complicated like the 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 women in this film are just so bland like they they they, there's nothing really much to them sadly like it's just it's just stunts it's all the movie has going for it really is just the stunts yeah and i'd say i'd throw in there like timothy dalton's performance but again what he's getting to do in terms of the plot isn't that invigorating, unfortunately? So, yeah. No, it's um, not. And, like, and it's great because he's good. Like, you almost wish he was in a better movie, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Precisely. Oh. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things I want to say is that I'm, I I appreciate as well. It's a little thing that we get to see a bit more Q in this movie. We that's do. A, that's always fun. Yeah. Um, that's, he's that's, great. He, he's always great. I always love when Q... Also, because he looks... He's re, he's probably got the most energy in this movie. Like, he looks so excited to actually have something to do. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I agree that uh, I love that Q is uh, given a bit more to do and his relationship with Bond is, is explored a little bit more, which is which is always fun. And they've got some good chemistry as well and some good banter, which is always nice. Mm. Um, but apart from that, in terms of the villains, like, I'm not really that into the, the main villain or the henchman even. It's funny to see young Benicio del Toro. That's always fun. Oh yeah, he's great in this. He looks so young, doesn't he? Yeah, gosh, he he he's baby face in this one. Oh. Yeah, um, and it, yeah. he does he doesn't have much to do, but like he has some weird ass lines. But like, but when he does deliver them, it's great. Definitely agreed. Yeah, mm. yeah, he has that. But again, he has this kind of like fun like Bond henchman thing going. But against like Timothy Dalton, it's a bit it's a bit strange. It's a bit yeah. out of place. I feel like he's more interesting than the actual Bond villain. I thought he was quite boring. Yeah, I agree. I yeah, definitely. Mm. At least at least uh at least Benicio as always has some passion. He has some uh he, he's got so much character as an actor, I guess. Yeah. I really wish he uh, like so he, he was channeling more of the collector in this movie. Like he just like had some weird like outburst like <laughs> Yeah, he just came out and was like magnificent. <laughs> magnificent. <laughs> 
Yeah, and he, then he clapped his hands like his a hands. fucking crazy lunatic. He's, he's like, I mean, hey, <laughs> he's like, these are what the Infinity Stones are. And then James Bond's like, what? <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> James Bond's like, uh, wrong movie, but he's like, up, up, up. Oh, oh, up, sorry. Up, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of um the two main Bond girls? Well, this is the next thing. We've gone from the villain to the Bond girls, and again, I'm just not that invigorated by either of them. I think, like you know, they serve their purpose. I think uh, one of them, what's her name? Uh, oh. What is her name? Oh, Kennedy? Oh, the one who gets her hair cut. Is it Kennedy? I think so. I think he calls her Kennedy at one point. Or Bouvier, I think she's also called. Yeah, Bouvier. That, Bou- yeah, yeah that, that, that's the one. Whenever uh, I hear Bouvier, I think of like Marge Simpson and her like her name. name. Look, I think she's a bit more interesting. But mm. apart from that, like again, like I feel like there's been more interesting Bond girls throughout the series. And um, yeah. Okay, real talk when it comes to her, Brenton. Do you prefer her with the shorter or longer haircut? Oh, uh, let's go short hair for sake of... Uh, <laughs> it's a huge moment in the movie, isn't it? Because, like, halfway through, she... It's not a spoiler. The woman gets a haircut. And, like... <laughs> and and James Bond's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this is a beautiful girl. Because, like... Because initially, like, he meets the Caribbean girl, right? Did you find her interesting? Not really, no. to be honest. I thought she didn't really bring much to the, f- to the to the series, to the film, that we hadn't already kind of seen before. And, yeah, it was just a bit stale and boring, mm. to be honest, from that perspective, yeah. Yeah, I really wish she had more to do rather than just be, like, the mistress of, like, the villain. It's like, I don't know, she's just there just to be there. It's like, ugh, I don't know. And, like, also at the same time, like, I feel like with her, the scenes drag really, really long. Like, the movie's long in general, but with hers especially, it really slows down. Yeah, totally. Definitely. I f- yeah, like, when the film tanks in terms of rhythm and in terms of pace, you just... It's it's those scenes, yeah. Mm. You're right. Um, there's a couple other scenes as well. I think some of those scenes with the villains and stuff are a bit, uh, yeah. like, plotting as well, but... Even the action you know, scenes are quite boring at points. Like, there's only a handful of moments in the action that I love. But again, like, to 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 counter this kind of, I guess, criticism that we're, we're coming out with, like those moments that those action scenes when they're really hitting uh, the heights are, are just incredible. Like mm. there's such highlights in the movie and uh, and uh, exquisite uh, filmmaking from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like I'm so ready to talk about them in sport. It's like, I don't know. Do you want to rate this? Well, then let's let's get into it, buddy. Let's let's rate this. Look, I'm going to give this a thumbs down. Like I said, there's mm. some great things in this movie, such as Dalton's performance, such as those amazing spectacle scenes that we've just kind of alluded to. But overall, again, like I'm just again, like this is the film that with this franchise that just made me go. There's just I'd, no I really reason to watch to it in, in 2019 or later, is there? Yeah. Th- look, look. I really, I've never seen the Pierce Brosnan James Bond film, and I really want to watch those ones because they're a bit, I guess, modern, and they're, mm. I guess, our generation's Bond. He was our generation's Bond, so I'd love to watch those. And obviously, I like uh, some of the Daniel Craig ones as well. So I'd easily recommend those ones over this one, for example. But I don't think this is the worst one we've watched on the podcast. Like I said, no. those highs are so high, and it's just a shame that the film just isn't um, as good as those moments. I really like the one we did before is it the spy who loved me i think so yeah. yeah the one where they're in switzerland or whatever it is i really love that one i thought that was quite good i don't know i'm with you mate i'm gonna i'm gonna buddy keep my thumbs down as well because like honestly i i think i think of nothing that you would get from this film today like like when it comes to watching james bond there's billions better ones like when it comes and also like dalton only did two so i know how this compares to like the living daylights but i imagine it's not that much better because ron tomatoes wise they're pretty similar as well so i don't know yeah, I'm going to say thumbs down. Sorry. Watch any any Bond that's not this one. <laughs> it might even be the worst. Like, it's got great moments, but I still find it so bland. 
And just the more I think about it, the more how nothing of a movie I think it is. Yeah, I, I hear you, man. I, I don't know if it's the worst, but hey, it's pretty planned. It might be bland, some of the most bland. So, Nathan, that being said, let's get into it. Yeah. Let's talk about the spoilers, spoilers, spoiling James Bond, a.k.a. Timothy Dalton, yeah. Oh, mate, I would love to spoil this movie. Where where should we... Actually, can we talk about the opening scene? I feel like we should go right to where this film kicks off. Because when it opened, I was all in, Brenton. I bloody love this opening scene. It is a quality opening act, I'll oh. tell you that much. And it's so stupid as well, because they're driving down a fucking, like, bridge in the middle of God knows where, and this helicopter, like, he's with, like, his CIA mate, and he's, like, with some other mate, and there's a helicopter that pulls up alongside the car, and the guy in it is holding up a follow me sign. <laughs> like, the helicopter just pops up out of nowhere, and so they kind of, like, swerve it's across the bridge. It's absolutely ridiculous and ludicrous, and I love it. It's it's oh. it's one of those moments that you... But again, it's, it's this moment that kind of sets up this film that Again, the film isn't really trying to be. But that being said, gosh, it's fun. Gosh, it's fun to see this helicopter pick up these two guys, go up into the sky, chase after this plane. Mm. So then James Bond jumps out of the helicopter, wraps this rope around the tail of the plane, and they literally scoop this plane away with the villain in it, who then later escapes. But it's that moment from Batman... Um, the Dark Knight the, Rises. The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. It's literally that, where I watch it and I'm like, oh, wait, did did Chris Nolan just copy James Bond? Definitely. I think he was totally inspired by, by this film, and um, he's been inspired a lot by the James Bond franchise. Um, and you, again, you, you see that in his movies. You see, like, the spectacle in his movies and how mm. he really tries to make it practical. And again, like, this opening uh, and the opening of The Dark Knight Rises, again, like, I think The Dark Knight Rises improves upon this particular stunt and like obviously the stakes in that scene are so much higher than I think the stakes in this scene and it's probably executed a little bit better but hey man like for the for the back in the time that this was made it's pretty special to see this being done it is like and because you know it's all real so you watch this going holy shit they really dragged a plane like it's insanity like it looks so cool and this movie really has a lot of Dark Knight trilogy vibes because even when they break the villain out after the wedding and they, like, push that van into, like, the water off the bridge. It reminds me so much of when they're um, breaking out the Joker. Um, no, when the Joker's chasing Harvey Dent across Gotham. And, like, you see that one, like, van go into the water. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I didn't actually pick up on that. But, yeah, now you say that. Yeah, it's oh, pretty... It's a similar idea. It's amazing. Yeah. And, like, it is... Like, it's a great opening because, like, they're skydiving into the wedding. It's ridiculous. And everyone's, like, cheering them as they land and all that kind of stuff. But, like, when it comes to the actual, like complication of the movie where the inciting incident where the couple was murdered i didn't feel that bad when they got murdered because i wasn't that attached to the characters you could see bond was feeling something but i as an audience member didn't feel that bad like did you no not really i didn't really like i thought i thought the acting was all pretty strong in the sense of like the guy that plays james bond's friend like you know when benicio del toro says that uh honeymoon line i lost my shit but again <laughs> it's 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 kind of hilarious <laughs> that line but then followed up by this in like you know this this guy that's like fighting for his life and his wife and whatnot so that's you know it's it's like i guess like the performances are well executed but Mm. again in terms of filmmaking i'm just not feeling much i'm just ready to go into the next scene exactly yeah i was just like come on it's like yeah and then when he's like he offers them like a like a two billion sorry a two million dollar bribe and like to corrupt one of the mates and you're just like wow I, i can't believe everyone's that corruptible it's kind of sad actually like like, I love the way the money plays a role in this movie. I love it when um that guy's like captured in a fucking aquarium of all places, and um and James Bond's like breaking in with his mate, and you just see all the money like float away, and his and his mate's like, oh, that's a waste of money. <laughs> totally, 
totally. I actually did love that sequence. I love it when like James Bond like shoots a bloke and he pushes him into like the tank full of like scallops or whatever it is. And mate, it's uh, it's pretty spectacular. Like, let's be honest, it's pretty uh, incredible. Whole, uh, the use of water in this film, I feel like water's a, con- a common, like, uh, visual theme, like, that we see lots of... Uh... Yeah, they love their bloody water, don't they? You know what I love? I love that they're like... I'm, I'm wondering if there was a producer's meeting, because, like, okay, let's bring back Jaws into this movie. They say, we want the henchman Jaws in this movie. And producer's like, oh, he'll probably ask for more money this time, because, you know, he's a popular character. I guess we can't have Jaws. And then maybe they wrote down the word Jaws, and it got handed through management, and so they got translated to having the shark Jaws in this movie. <laughs> Any hen- any villain that uses sharks is instantly like a great villain, oh. but not in this case necessarily. But like, but like any any villain, any any person on the planet that goes, you know what we need? We I need to get a, a tank full of sharks that when I'm feeling a bit crummy, I can just put someone in there like to Jeez. to be munched upon, and I can watch it. Like you know, that says something about you as a person. I think. It's, it really does, doesn't it? Like, you can see it's a little bit like... It's like, just shoot them. Like, the sheer maintenance of having to feed, maintain, take care of a shark versus just a bullet into someone. Like, it's ludicrous. I don't know why you would have someone die like that. Like, oh. Hey, mate. Hey, mate. Again, like, guys, you do you unless you're hurting someone else, obviously. Like, <laughs> I don't condone... I, go, I don't condone... Uh, are using sharks as uh, as as weapons, like you know, let's not weaponize the sharks, people. Let's live in uh, let's live in prosperity and you know and peace with our with our with our fellow. Aquatic <laughs> know, creatures, you know what I'm saying? All right, but Brenton, how would you feel if like they bloody open the tank and you're expecting it to be a shark and the tank opens, but then it's revealed it's just Jaws swimming, like the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and you think it's a shark, but next minute it's him, and he's like gnawing his teeth, like getting ready to eat the guy. And he's like, oh! <laughs> I've just thought of a great spinoff uh, from a, a few films. So you know how there's like, you know, in horror we have we have like crossovers, like we have Freddy versus Jason. Oh yeah, yeah. Like we have. What if we had like a film? And I feel like we should pitch this like legitimately. Oh my goodness! Nathan. We should fly to Hollywood. We should get a script together, get an idea together, and if we had a film called Jaws versus Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Where literally Jaws is in J- from James Bond takes oh. on the sh- the the titular shark. And you know who would Jaws win? It'd be from Jaws. It'd be bloody like metal Jaws, wouldn't it? Of course it would be. Oh. Are you kidding me? And, and it's funny and he wouldn't purely, even have help or weapons. It'd just be him, and he would still win. Yeah. And and you know why? Because at the end of the day, like although like a shark can obviously swim so well in water and whatnot, mm. I think Jaws has just got the ability that once he gets a grip on you, and as long as he dodges like <laughs> those attacks from from uh, Spielberg's Jaws, uh, and if he gets a good grip on him, he can he can bite, he can gnaw into that into that big big fella, and uh, maybe bite a fin off. I don't know, and like oh, slow the guy down. That'd and be great. For the It'd kill. be even I mean, great if like Jaws, like the me- if Metal Jaws interrupted Shark Jaws's like story. Like 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 turns out that like on the beach, like 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 Chief Brody, like he hears rumors about a shark, and then turns out it's actually just a shark battle between the two Jawses. And he like stands on the beach, like seeing the water splash and these two things coming at each other. And he's like scratching his head. He's like, "What's what's going on out there?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh. Hey, uh, so speaking of uh, Jaws from James Bond, and speaking of James Bond getting back to License <laughs> to Kill, um, so let's talk about this this villain, I guess. I wanted to get into this idea oh. of like how he uses and how the, the what he does to get to his big plan with the drugs, and which kind of leads, I guess, to the to the ending of the film and the great climax and like the drugs in the in the in the fuel in the oil tankers, like. 
mm. going from place to place. Like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever, ever heard of. And, like, it's, in a James Bond like, film, like, why? there's some stupid shit, but this is pretty, like... And I ludicrous. love that there's, like, a whole sequence, like, dedicated where James Bond is, like, going into the bloody lair. And, like... And which is like some weird cultist place for whatever reason, and like, and there's these bunch of scientists who are kind of like you can tell they're a little bit proud of their work because they like mm. shepherd the businessmen in and they're like, oh check this out, and you watch them turn like cocaine into petrol, and I'm like, I'm sitting there going, look, I'm not, I'm not someone who's in this market, but even if I was, I'm trying to imagine like being handed a bag of coke and the dealer saying, oh by the way, this used to be petrol. <laughs> like, I know. Like, could you imagine? Like, it's like, so bizarre. Like it's like it's already fucked up. You're putting cocaine in your body. Let alone it used to be petroleum. It's like, oh. Hey mate, maybe maybe it adds another kick. I don't know. Jeez. But, <laughs> I don't, like, but and, geez, and, and, and they're all standing on. there and they're all like fucking clapping at the presentation. And James Bond is like sweating because Benicio del Toro is about to recognize him. But you can tell that even in that moment, like Tim- like bloody um, Timothy Dolan's just like, oh, <laughs> he's like, oh, no, this ain't a good move. Like, <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, it's so stupid, Brendan. Like, and like. Even, like, with that villain, like, like it's weird that he doesn't twig because there's so many opportunities where you would think he would finally work out that James Bond isn't, like, like a bad bloke, but, like, he just doesn't. Like, I love that scene where, like, James Bond sneaks out in the middle of the night to, like, bloody do a mission or whatever it is. And then, like, and then as James Bond comes back into the bedroom, like, the villain opens the door and Bond's, like, tucked under the bed. Like, <laughs> it's like when, like, a teenager sneaks out of their parents' room. It's, like, that exact same sequence. Totally. I feel like there's another spinoff idea. Like <laughs> it's like Home Alone, but James Bond. Like <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh my god! He's like there oh. you go. It's just like a month, like with him, like working for the villain. He has like goes up to all these shenanigans at night, but he has to be home by ten, otherwise he's grounded. Like in the and like there's it, like it's filmed in front of like a studio audience, and when they the, like the Bond villain opens the door, the audience is like ooh. <laughs> Mate, but speaking of uh, oil tankers and cocaine, how good is that last chase scene? Oh my god, that that final chase scene is extraordinary. See, there's a couple of great chase scenes in this, and that that final one is amazing because like because it keeps on escalating, yeah. doesn't it? Because they blow up the bloody um like the, they blow up the whole bloody fort, which is amazing. But then like yeah, it's just kind of like slow kind of like oil tanker zigzag. I just yeah, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 really special. Like, and you're watching this and you're going, oh, again, it's that idea of. I wish this was in a better movie because oh, yeah. as a climax, it's like, it's so fantastic. And I guess the other part of it, I, list log- I guess logistically, I wish this made more sense in terms of the fuel becoming cocaine and, mm. and whatnot. Like, that's a bit weird. But, you know, for what it is, like, mate, like, you know, this stands up today. Like, it's still Oh, yeah, that does especially because you know it was all real. And so when you see him, like, like take the wheels off one of the oil tankers and, like, it skids and it crashes, like, that's a real oil tanker doing it. So you're just gasping at it. And when it finally comes tumbling totally. down the side of the cliff and and bond and the villain having a scuffle and he fucking lights the guy up at the end you just you just gasp through the whole thing like it's amazing isn't it totally oh i really love that action scene i also adore the action scene my one of my actually fact my favorite action scene in the whole fucking franchise so far is in this movie and it's when james bond is like fighting all those divers underwater which i found that choreography kind of boring but then he bloody grabs a harpoon and he just like shoots it into a seaplane dives out of the water and then like has this amazing sequence in this plane above the water where he like throws a guy out of the plane at one point it's just whoa it's pretty full-on like it goes all over the place it's uh 
it's pretty nuts, but it's exhilarating and it's fun and it's what I want more in this movie, dude. Like, not in terms of the action, but just in terms of the the scene to scene, you know, like a different type of action as well. Like you have yeah. those big action moments, but then like you just want those scenes to be living up to that, you know, and they just don't. Yeah. Unfortunately, and it's weird because like because yeah. this film tries to be so serious, and then those moments, those action scenes work, but there are some very silly action scenes in this movie that completely clash with the film's tone. Most prominently, it's when he meets the Bond girl for the first time, Bouvier, at the bar, and they have this kind of yeah. like bar scuffle and at one point one of the henchmen grabs a fucking swordfish <laughs> and and like uses that as a weapon to stab bond and like bond doesn't even bat an eye he just like goes oh and he tries to dodge the needle dude the swordfish sword is like the greatest thing oh. like ever like whoever was like you know what we need in this in this moment we need a guy to use a fucking swordfish as a sword and to just go at james bond <laughs> like do you reckon? Do you reckon one of the producers amazing. was at like a restaurant one night and they o- ordered swordfish for like dinner? And at this way, and like when the waitress brings it over, puts it on the table, and the and the bloody producers like, wait a minute, this could go in my movie. <laughs> I think what happened was, I think that they were sitting there at that dinner. They're at some restaurant where there's a few swordfish, you know, and a few tanks and whatnot. Oh yeah. And they were thinking there, and they were saying like, guys, we need an idea for this scene. Like, if someone were to attack us, like, if an assassin was to appear right now and we needed something to defend ourselves, what would we grab? And then they all just, like, glance to the tank and saw the swordfish, like... It'd be, it'd be like a Simpsons gag. Like, they, they, they glance to the tank and it's got, like, a, a katana hanging over it, but then they continue to glancing further down and they see the fish. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, I love it. I love that so much. I even love in that scene how, like, the Bond girl has a fucking shotgun in the bar. It's like, how did she sneak it in? Like, she's barely wearing any clothes. Like, she didn't just, like, hide it under a dress. Like, hey, man, don't ask too many questions. They don't want you to. Just- oh, no, obviously not. Like, Jesus, <laughs> especially with this fucking movie. I tell you what. Oh. But, Nathan, this is, I've got to say, this is probably, speaking of swordfishes and fish and, and using things as weapons and, you know, and explosions and whatnot and harpoons. This is definitely the most violent uh, of all the James Bond films I've seen. I've got it to say. is, isn't Wouldn't it? You agree? Like brutally violent as well. Like I think, especially for me, the most emotionally violent part was with that whole Hong Kong subplot because there's that rival gang that's kind of making business with them, and it ends with them being good guys for some weird fucking reason because it just delays the plot. I think it's more just busy work, but it ends with them going to like a warehouse and then like like and and the and the actual villain Twigs and he just like murders them all like violently, like shooting through the wall. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, mate. What about that tank scene? The tank scene? Oh, wait. Which one? The the scene with the guy in the tank, in the piece of glass, and the... Oh, yeah! The is, this, is this when his head explodes? Yeah, that's the one. Jeez! That's, that is fucked up, isn't it? Like, that, if, if I was a child watching that in the Bond film, I'd be like, bring back the swordfish. <laughs> like, Please, do something. That's bloody horrifying. You know geez, what I mean? Jeez! Like, oh. It's like some paper mache. Like, like, you see the head blow up like a fucking tomato, and it just bursts everywhere, and you see it, and like... Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? Oh, it's pretty full on, but What's hey. it doing in the movie? I kinda, like, oh. At the same time, like, I don't know what it's doing in this film, but hey, it's it's pretty it's a pretty great moment. It's pretty like, incredible. It's like pretty that alone moment. you should YouTube. Yep. Like I feel like that almost steals the movie. Like that guy's like bloody marshmallow head, I tell you what. <laughs> oh. Like, do you um do you get around this whole subplot with like the two girls? Like the two Bond girls, like like which one will you pick? No, I hate it. I hate it so much, and I hate the way... One of my least favourite moments in this film is actually how that ends. Mm. With the whole... The moment where she sees him uh, with the other girl, and then he runs after the other girl, and it's all this bullshit, and you're just like, for fuck's sake, like, can we just, like, 
move on and and get past this because it's so contrived it's so boring it's so need like needless it's just stupid i hated it so much <laughs> and what a negative way to end the film on like, it is because oh. it's literally the last thing that happens in the movie like they finally take care of the villain it's all done it's like it's the last little thread that the screenwriter suddenly remembered had to fill in like two pages worth of script to take care of because like they're all this fucking party and q's like oh maybe i should stay on the field and bond's like ah how old are you again <laughs> and then he goes up to like the the um bloody caribbean chick and she's like, let's us make love. And he's like, or oh, here's the president of some Latin American country. You go with him. And she's like, okay. But they still kiss. And like the bloody haircut chick sees it. And she's like, oh, okay. So she goes downstairs and Bond's natural next move is to fucking jump off the edge of a balcony for like a story into a swimming pool, which I'm sure would have hurt. And like he apologizes kind of, but then, and they make out and then like she just forgives him instantly. And it pans to like a weird statue of a fish as they do it. And I'm not too sure what the message is there, Brenton. It's so stupid. Like, oh. it's it's so dumb. It's such a stupid way to end the movie. And yeah, the fish statue again, like, bringing it back to that theme of water and a, an aquatic life. I don't know. I maybe don't there's get something it. in this movie about that. Maybe, I don't get maybe it. Maybe there's something about... I don't know. It's the gory Tarantino Again. shit that makes up for this movie. Like, the like, like the end of Benicio Del Toro. That alone makes up for it. Oh, that was a good. That was a good end. That was amazing. You just that. see him. You just you see like because you can see the whole movie, but this deal just doesn't like Bond, and you're just waiting for him to twig. When he finally does, he's like, okay, rather than shoot this guy, I'm just gonna throw him down a fucking like like wood cl- wood shoot clipper thing, <laughs> and like Bond's just hanging by the string of his teeth, and then Benicio gets thrown down, and he is sliced into a billion pieces. Like, oh, mate, he he. He dies a pretty gruesome death. Yeah, it's pretty full on. But hey, it's it's a great moment and a great a great way to go. You know, it is actually yeah. So, so Brenton, should we see what stills this movie? Nathan, what stills this movie? Because it's pretty amazing. What what oh. stills this movie? One character that we've omitted from this film, Brenton, is probably the most important character of them all, isn't it? <laughs> Who is that, Nathan? So the Bond villain. They're like, okay, they're like, okay, Blofeld is bloody's got his white catheter strokes. And they're like, that guy in the other Bond movie, he's got Jaws as a pet, probably. So what can we give this Bond <laughs> villain? So they're like, you know what? He's in the Caribbean, so naturally we're going to give him a fucking iguana. <laughs> That's got like a diamond uh, like collar thing on it that he... What? That sits on his shoulder. It's fucking amazing. And like the, the screenshot we have, if you want to see the screenshot, by all means, um, just go to our YouTube um channel and you can see the photo there. It's um, it's it's the way the lizard is introduced is that it just it goes to like some random action scene and just hard cuts to the villain like drinking some whiskey and the camera pans and it's just revealed in the shoulders this fucking iguana and like and no one really bats an eyelash that he has one and he has one for no reason and then some chick walks in and she's like, oh yeah, how's the iguana? <laughs> like. I don't know why it's there. Nathan, in this still, can we can we play an imagination game and decide what the hell this iguana is actually like whispering in his ear at that moment? <laughs> it looks very sensual, doesn't it? Like I, I think it's I think it's something like, Hey baby, can I have a sip? Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he just gives some of the whiskey to the iguana. What if what if the yeah. iguana's like, please don't feed me to the sharks? Like <laughs> What if what if like what if every day the Bond villain threatens the iguana saying, I'm gonna throw into the shark tank if no one pisses me off today? And when he finally throws a henchman into the shark tank, the iguana like lets out a sigh of relief. <laughs> it's like, Yes, it's not yeah. me today. I feel like there's another spin off film just in that, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Tell you what, this iguana, it should have made our seven seasons episode on animals, I'll tell you what. It probably should have, yeah. But uh, Nathan, uh, I've got a question for you. Yes? How did, how did they make this make a movie magic, yeah? 
How did they make this, Brenton? Yeah, I'm not sure. That's oh, what I well. was asking. <laughs> what a great section. So uh, <laughs> let's look at this film's post. No. <laughs> um, so the reason... Okay, so in this movie, um, the Bond girl has a haircut and it's made up as this big moment and it's like, uh, I don't know why. Maybe she's the first Bond girl to have short hair. Who knows? But like the reason she has it is that the actress in real life has short hair. She, it's a famous look that she has. She's very beautiful with it. But when they started filming this movie, they're like, no, 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 you can wear like the the wig and all that kind of stuff. And she started doing it, but she didn't like it at all. So, right. so they incorporate, but because the actress disliked this wig, they're like, fuck it. Let's just write a quick scene where she has to go get a disguise, like with the biggest air quotes you can. And then when she comes back, she just has this new look. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's why. Um, I, I wanted to say this as well. You know how we're saying that Benicio Del Torio, Del Torio, Del Toro. Del Torio indeed. Is a bit of a, yeah, is a, is a bit of a, uh, a baby face in this. Like, he's very oh, young. Yeah. But, you know, at 21 years old, Benicio Del Toro is the youngest actor to play a villain in a James Bond film. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, 21. you believe he's young, but he, oh, you could have easily told me he's in his mid-20s and I would have still believed that as well. Like, but that's crazy. He he looks very much like a, like a rebel without a cause kind of look in this movie, doesn't he? Like, yeah. He does. Definitely yeah. does. Yeah. I reckon he was definitely in the running to play Scarface after this movie, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I bet you he was, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Do you know, Brenton, that um Diana Rigg was was referenced in this movie? Really? Yeah, How so when exactly? we when you and I watched on Her Majesty's Secret Service and you know she's like his wife and spoiler alert for that movie, she gets killed at the end. Um that's referenced in this movie and, and um they what happened was that when they were writing the script, the it was the movie was actually called License Revoked because he has his license to kill revoked, and and the obsession that he has um chasing after the bad guy was based on his own dead wife, and there was going to be a section right. in that script where he references dead Diana Rigg going, oh my, I lost my own wife, so because you lost your wife, I got a bloody, you know, get me gun out, and so yeah, that's that's there was initially going to be more of her in there. There you go. That's really interesting. More Diana Rigg is always a good thing, isn't it, mate? Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Hey, but did you know that uh? Bond's controversial betrayal of M was a way to sidestep the fact that the British have no jurisdiction over a Latin America, uh, a Latin American <laughs> drug cartel. Like what? that's why it was kind of written in as well. Like that's so stupid. Like they had to find a reason to get over there. You can so tell when you're watching this movie that they just chose Mexico as a setting and they just like did the rest around that. So like I feel like it was very yeah. late in the process. They actually woke up to the fact that they do have no jurisdiction. So they're like, ah, I guess he's resigning. <laughs> I mean, like, it was just, it's just an excuse to make our way over there. It's just like, well, great. Like, that's how it will happen. And, and that's oh. the reason, which is a shame because it's probably the most interesting thing about Bond in the film is that he, it is. He's oh, so yeah. overcome with his revenge, you know. Have you seen he, Quantum of Solace? I have not. I have not. Uh, and I don't really have an intention to because everyone, no it's one not seems as to bad like as everyone says. It's a billion times better than this, in my opinion. Like, way better. Especially if you love Casino Royale because it really continues that story quite nicely. But um, right. in that he goes rogue pretty early on. So if you want to see an even better version of him going rogue, watch watch probably Quantum. I'll I'll consider it. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> That's a polite way of saying no, but okay. Um, Timothy Dalton, he was very homesick when he made this movie, so um, he had to fly back to Britain because, and I quote, "This is the reason he got homesick because he missed a good pint of beer." Oh, Aww. poor Timothy. It's kind of sad though. Poor the Mexicans Timothy. do great beer, Brenton. Have you been to Mexico, Nathan? I've not been to Mexico, but I have me- had Mexican beer, and one my favorite beers ever is called Desperados and like they are 
extraordinary. They're they're so good. Brenton, it's tequila beer. Oh, and now you think what you're saying? Tequila and beer together would be horrible, but Brenton, it's bloody outstanding. And I, and even if you hate tequila, you're gonna love tequila beer. I tell you what. Oh, sounds sounds divine. But what you're saying is really is that Timothy Dalton. Uh, needs <laughs> he didn't to, want needs it. Needs to fucking. He needs to suck it up, man. Like he didn't like his Corollas. Uh, I tell you, his Coronas. <laughs> Coronas. He didn't like his Coronas at all, did he? No. I mean. Oh, could you imagine? You know, I in mean, the Fast and Furious movies, always bloody drinking Coronas. Right. Yeah. It'd be funny if like James Bond started that. Like they initially got it from this movie. Like <laughs> he's just drinking that for some weird reason. Totally. It reminds me of the start of um bloody Skyfall when you see James Bond die, and um. At the start of the movie. And then you see him like with some chicken in bed. That's the very next scene you see him in. And he's like drinking out of a Heineken. Oh my God. I remember watching <laughs> that in the cinema thinking, mate, that, I remember thinking Heineken must have paid a fuckload for that scene. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Uh, like, it's funny when you see those scenes when like you see specific like, uh, uh, like little adverts that are in the film and like, uh, you know, product placement and whatnot. And you're just like, well, that, they must have paid a fortune to get themselves in that. It's funny. I, I, I really want to know how those deals are made, Brenton. Like, because there's some really egregious examples of it. But also, I'm sure there's some great examples of it that have genuinely promoted the brand. Yeah, such as Happy Gilmore and Subway. Yeah. That's what we should do for a bloody seven seasons, mate. That's something that would be interesting. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll consider it. I think that I think that's quite a good idea. Oh, there we go. Look at that. Ideas on the podcast. We've done something productive for once, Brenton. <laughs> so, do you know that this was uh, the last Bond movie? to be directed by John Glenn and you can kind of see why <laughs> yeah he's because like I've had enough of this but also like they rebooted it after this so probably they did want some fresh eyes exactly yeah more um, like golden eye am I right <laughs> uh, 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 hey the film I haven't seen yet so oh yeah, mate you I'd, would I'd love be... golden eye it's so good ah <laughs> so uh do you know that budget rest- restraints were actually imposed as the producers were still paying interest on the overspending of moonraker from 1979. Really? Yeah, man. Wow. I love it. Like some poor producers sweating, like just watching like, like you know, all the bloody vehicles blow up and they're like, oh gosh, like I hope this makes us some money. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, it's like, totally. like, like, they're just like, they're like getting to Mexico and like, maybe we should like have this like set in space again. And then the, the producer's like, oh no, God, we can't. Let's just set in the cult, please. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Do you have any more facts, buddy? Um, last fact from me. Um, the reason it's set in Central America is because, um, the movie was released the same time as the Cold War. And so, because they're normally against Russians or Soviets and that kind of stuff, um, the, it wasn't really considered that much as a threat. So the producers thought that, that a drug dealer, you know, in the time of like the war on drugs would have been recognized, would have resonated more with local audiences. Right. So... That's why they moved there, mate. And you know what? I do kind of get around a like a Latin American setting. I remember in um bloody Quantum of Solace again, they go to I think Bolivia, and that's a, a an incredible sequence when they go there. I love that part. So um basically what I'm trying to try to say is watch Quantum of Solace over this, Brenton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been coming up a few times. Yeah. Uh, well, Nathan, now that I know how they made this movie, yes. I just want to do something right now, and I want to sidestep and hey, hey, let's look at this film's poster, <laughs> mate. What a shit poster. Like <laughs> What a fucking train wreck of a poster. Like ugh, guys, 
If you look at this poster, it's obvious that it's been photoshopped from multiple photos of just different photos that are all laid over this one image, then it looks like absolute shit. It reminds me of like the shitty Spider-Man posters that we get these days, you know, from like Homecoming and Far From Home. In what way? It looks like they got like a year nine graphic design student, not even a university graphic design student, because that's an insult to university graphic design students. They got some like 14 year old kid who's maybe had, you know, some experience in Microsoft Paint and they've like kind of clicked and dragged different images of characters from like promotional posters and they've put it over this like blue backdrop with giant 007 letters and it's just it's it's it looks like they're trying to do a watercolor effect but it's not really happening so they're like it's just it's just bland like oh remember the bloody poster for like i think it was on her majesty's secret service and it's like the whole fucking lair being blown up remember that poster i do i do like they went from that to this and it's just and like it's even got a shitty tag like it says james bond is out on his own and out for revenge it's like oh who cares like oh nathan the only redeeming quality about this whole poster is that the fucking iguana is on it like (laughs) Well, I, but you know what that means? What it means audiences would have looked at this poster thinking, oh, if the iguana's on the poster, it's going to play a prolific role. <laughs> yeah, look, Nathan, if it was me and if I was trying to improve like the marketing of this film and improve their poster, I would just make it a poster with the 007 and just have the iguana just like sitting there. You know what I mean? Tell me what, mate. That's how you do it. That's how you bloody do it. Like, I'd have, <laughs> I'd have the iguana just like... Just like sitting on top of like a lever that opened up to a shark tank, and maybe you think the iguana's the one running the operation. <laughs> or imagine if that like James Bond like breaks into the head office and he finally is about to arrest the bad guy, and the guy's like, "Please no, I'm just a hostage." And like they all, go, all glance over at the iguana, and it's revealed the iguana can talk, and it's like, ha, ha, ha. "It's like I was me the whole time." And then he just like presses a button, and he like rockets <laughs> out of there. And James Bond's like, "Oh no, my arch nemesis, an iguana." <laughs> well, since as we have established that this post is pretty shit. Should we talk about the title, License to Kill? What do you think about it, mate? Mate, he doesn't have a license to drive. He has a license to kill. Look, it's an all right title. It's fine. Yeah. It's, uh... Like, it's, it is very James Bond, a license to kill. Like, I will give it that. But, like, like, is it in the movie? I mean, you never actually see the license. Do you reckon they actually print licenses when they see a license to kill? <laughs> like, it's, like, right next Not to his, sure. like, driver's license. It's, like, just one with, like, a little gun logo on it. Like... <laughs> It's like, oh, you killed someone. It's like, yeah, I did. But look, I got my license. I see, I see. This seems to check out on your way, good sir. Thank you. <laughs> it's like when you get a driver's license in Australia, like he has to do like a theory test and a practical test. Like he has to like do a little questionnaire before he gets his license to kill. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nathan, do you do you know what I think an improvement on this title would have been? What would have been, mate? License to an iguana. Oh my god, yes. Or even just like, <laughs> what about even like even like just like 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 license license to revenge or even like to kill for revenge or something like that you know like no uh, look i think license to kill is snappy enough that it works but um, yeah i I get what you're saying you're yearning for something a bit more something with maybe with a bit more gravitas more linked to the movie anything it's like it's like um even it's like to kill a mexican or something like that you know (laughs) (laughs) although i'm sure mexico would have probably hated that That title That is the worst title I think you've ever recommended on this show. But hey, that's okay. We're here to live and we're here to learn. And that's that's all right. We're here to grow, Brandon. Like, <laughs> we're here to say we shouldn't be killing Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so let's pass that power, mate. Power. Power to the people. Let's pass it to the people. The power. Lessons to kill. <laughs> I dislike that you suddenly whipped out an iguana while you were singing that. Like, for starters, how did you sneak it into my home? And two, can I please have it? His name's Scott. 
<gasps> I love it. Dude, how would you react if you got given an iguana for your birthday? Nathan, I would be very, very happy. But I would then ask, how do I take care of this thing? And what what does it need? Like, It'd be pretty ballers. Like- Did I ever tell you I, have a, I was at a bus stop like not too long ago and I saw a guy with a fucking parrot on his shoulder? No. <laughs> yeah. It was like ages ago back in Balmain. And like, I was like, I was like walking past, I was on the way to work one day. And there was a bloke like at like eight in the morning, like standing outside the Baker's Delight. You know, there's a Baker's Delight on the way to my house. I do. I yeah. Do. He was standing outside that. He had a fucking parrot. <laughs> and he was like trying some bread right next to the bus stop. And the bed was kind of looking across and I'm like, what a badass. Like he's just got a fucking parrot. Nathan, I feel like, I feel like that's when you know you've made it in life. When you're standing there on the street and you've got a fucking parrot on your shoulder. And you know, he didn't even look that weird. He was in like a nice shirt and some pants and that kind of stuff, but he just had this bird on his shoulder. It's like, that's the life you want to live, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. We should we should, we should, should par- uh, purchase a parrot each and... Uh, <laughs> we'll bring and, it onto uh, the podcast and they'll just be repeating what we say. It's like, uh, ex- oh... Oh God, what a, what a nightmare. But hey, uh, Nathan, looking at the power to the people, not the power to the parrots, power to the people. <laughs> License to Kill on the Tomato Meter has a 77% and an audience score of 60%. That's so, pretty good. So, you know, it's all right. It's all right. Um, Candace Russell from South Florida Sun Sentinel says, License to Kill gets better as it unfolds unfolds for more than two hours. It just takes an insufferably long while to find the right pace. Do you think it gets better in the second half than first? Oh, uh, I don't know. I feel like the beginning and the ending are the strongest, but apart mm. from that, I'm just... Uh, it's hard to stay into it. Because again, like like uh, Candace says, that this is longer than two hours. It's, and you feel it. It feels even longer than that. Oh, I know. And this film crawls. And that's especially why we definitely say no to it. Like, I can't imagine people who are just casual fans of movies, like, genuinely loving something like that. Like, oh. Exactly, yeah. Even modern film, even modern modern films, I think, can slug through some. I remember Spectre, especially, we felt way, way too long. So I can't imagine anyone sitting through this over that. Mm. Mm. Um, Tim Brayton from Antagony and Ecstasy, great title for a magazine, um, wrote, The Good, this is simply, sorry, I'll say that again. The good, this is beautifully complicated stuff. The bad, simply, it's not a Bond film. Um, I would say maybe the reverse of that is true. Because <laughs> the good, I think, is that it is a Bond film, but the bad part of it is that it is complicated. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if, if being a Bond film makes it good. You know what I mean? I think the good is yeah. there's some great action sequences and the bad is uh, that it's a bit contrived, a bit plotty in terms of its length and um, it's not that interesting. Like, it's no. a bit boring. It's 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 the Brenton of movies, isn't it? Oh, you ah. bugger. <laughs> you got... You, oh, you, you got you, me. <laughs> you got me. Uh, oh, okay, fine. One of these days, I'm going to find the Nathan of films, and I'm going to let you know. And uh, excuse me, I think we already have. It's called Cats. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, you are you are many things, but you are not Cats the oh, musical. Thank you, mate. Thank you. I'd like to think I'm the Rocky Four of movies. Oh, <laughs> just just you here, probably here, are. <laughs> here far too long after its due date, and and kind of interesting that you want to keep looking at it, but you know it's not the right thing to do. <laughs> Nathan, Nathan, I think I think you're onto something there. <laughs> uh, same, same as Tim Brayton, who says, uh, "Oh wait, sorry, we just said that one." Kevin Fiddler, which is a very unfortunate name from Henderson Home News, <laughs> <laughs> says this is the worst Bond of all time. Zero out of oh. five. No, it's not the worst Bond movie ever made. Sorry. I there's, think it's, there's, there's, in his defense, I think it might be the worst one I've seen so far. I mean, we haven't seen all twenty-four yet, so we can't really say. But is this the worst one you've seen? 
No, by no means, no. Did you hate Japanese Bond more? I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty shit, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Um, Ryan C gave it five stars. And he's <laughs> he wrote, I can't lie. I've seen all 23 Bond movies, and this one still manages to be my favorite. It's like James Bond versus Scarface in a revenge story that's very gritty. This is probably the most violent James Bond movie today, but that's not why it's my favorite, at least not the main reason. My main reason is that it just works. That's the most, like... That's that's basically... That's a review that's kind of like this film in the sense that it's plotting, it's kind of boring, and it goes nowhere. (laughs) It's so true. But you know what? I feel like even on premise, like, James Bond versus Scarface would be a great premise, but this movie executes it so shittily, right? Yeah, precisely. Precisely. What's your favourite James Bond, mate? Uh, Casino Royale. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? It's very good. It's it's excellent. Oh, yeah. I love it. Skyfall's pretty good as well, mind you. And also bloody um Goldfinger's awesome. Again, I have to watch it. Like We'll I, get to it. We'll get there, mate. Eventually. I'm not the biggest fan of Skyfall though. Like I like it. I think it's good. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's incredible. But it's like if James Bond versus the Joker. Really? I don't know about that. Oh. It's, it's very right. similar. Look at the look at the recount the plot of the Dark Knight, then recount the plot of Skyfall, and you'll see they're quite similar. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But that, does that make it does that make it good though? Like, well, I, if I compare those two films, I think like the Dark Knight Rises, uh, the Dark Knight, sorry, is head and head and shoulders above um, uh, Skyfall. Uh, I suppose. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. A discussion for another day because Steve Perry says. I feel like there's a, there's good there's good essays that have been written better than you and I just expressed it then. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, uh, Steve Steve Perry <laughs> says I was gutted. Uh, gutted. Timothy Dalton never continued after License to Kill. I'm a bit gutted as well, Steve. Yeah, I think he had something to offer, and he just never got to really capitalize on that because I think for the time and what these movies wanted to be, he just um, it just wasn't that. You know, when no. he he was trying to, it's like he was almost trying to be the Daniel Craig at this time. But you know, the world I don't think was ready for that. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I don't think the world was, and like. I do wish we had more Timothy because I really like what he does with Bond. But then again, knowing what the next film was, Goldeneye, it and like it had to be like with a new Bond because we finally got Judy Dench and we like finally and with the story especially that they're telling, it makes more sense with Pierce Brosnan. Like it wouldn't have been as good I think if it didn't have Brosnan. So yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I think with the Bonds, I think like Connery's the best, or one of the best, and then it goes straight down to the worst, and then it slowly gets better and better as the films go on. With each subsequent bond, that's an interesting. That's an interesting idea, Nathan. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll see how it holds up. Uh, lastly, of the comments, bloody um, Alec Davidoff wrote, "License to take her pants off." <laughs> Jesus, Alec! Like uh, how how original can he get? You forget that this is lived in a this is existed in a time where like you know pornography was extremely difficult to access and like you know people came to these movies because of the women and because of the sex scenes in this movie. I mean, I guess, yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> I'm not making time. this up. Like, yeah, like that's the time. Like, tell you what, though, I'm glad the James Bond films did drop that, and it's slowly balancing the genders. Like, it would be, it would have been worse if it just escalated it to the point where, like, it turns into like Wolf of Wall Street, like Scorsese plane orgy. You know, like. I mean, hey, who knows? I mean, the franchise is still going. Who knows what we're going? <laughs> who with knows it? what will happen next? We'll see you next year for James Bond 25. Well, Nathan, that's licensed to kill. Ah, uh, uh, licensed to. To end this podcast, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, mate, mate. There, there it is. Uh, better, better pass the test on that one, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, I know uh, what you're saying. But it's, <laughs> um, yeah, license to kill. Thanks for listening in, guys. I mean, yeah, like, thank you. Thank you for a- actually liking this movie. Yeah, thank you for doing that. And if you want to discuss your thoughts on 
this film and if you really enjoy this film and you disagree with us feel free to send your thoughts to our Twitter uh, yeah. or our Twitters I should say and or you can uh, send us an email you can reach us on YouTube and you can also find us obviously on uh, on the podcast app as well as uh, SoundCloud so yeah check us out yeah and let's know like what you what the shittiest James Bond is that you've seen I'd love to know that like because this is pretty bad but i want to know if there's even really much worse out there yeah guys so keep in contact let us know and nathan we have a wedding to get to so, we do uh, we do it's amazing we've been able to do this while we've been still falling like man this is we must have been pretty high up i know nathan wait 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 i forgot to put that backpack on oh no thank god it's taking an hour to fall down like i'll tell you what no, no, nathan no 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 oh, oh bye dude <laughs> ah dun na 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 na. Oh, we did it, dude. We did it again. <laughs>